pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you on Thursday night, and Lord, we ask that you would enable us to study your word, to learn from it, to be challenged. Lord, that we would understand a little bit more about you and your great love for us. Give us grace to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Let's take our Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 8. And Sunday night we, we went over about Peter in the book of Second Peter wanting us to keep things into remembrance, to stir us up by way of remembrance. And tonight as we look at this idea of remembering and remembrance in the Bible... Uh, I'd like for us to take this this time and look at the things that God remembered. Now, before we start here, we need to understand something. God never forgets anything. In fact, if you really want an experiment, you know, uh, one of those things to stretch your mind a little bit, just stop and think about the fact that God never thinks. He already knows. God never figures anything out. Uh, I am constantly setting little alarms on my phone to move the van before the ticket takers come in the morning and to move the van to park it so that we won't get a ticket the following morning. And and, uh, when I have appointments to uh, in in the van, I even had to set one... um, uh, Tuesday uh, uh, morning to go pick up the chicken for lunch so that I would make sure and not forget the food for all the preachers that were here. Uh, uh, we're always trying to remember things. Does anybody remember the, the old habit of tying a string on your finger? Uh, I, I never have figured that thing out, what tying a string on my finger is supposed to do. Uh, because if I tied a string on my finger, I would forget why I tied the string on my finger. Anybody else in that, that same thing? I remember I used to have a little uh, calendar, and, and uh, I would write everything down, and then I couldn't read my writing. And, and so now I can type it in on my phone, and it will tell me, uh, and then you put it on silence, do not disturb, and it doesn't go off, Right? I mean, that's the way we remember things. And yet, the Bible uses the same word, brought to mind, to, uh, to refocus, to think about again, in the light of God. And uh, I think we'll find some interesting things. I, I enjoy just running through these different passages when... Certainly not going to be able to cover every one, but we're going to try to get about seven of them in tonight. And and the first time in our Bible the word remember in any form is used is Genesis 8, verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. Uh, The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. 
Now, they were just over a year in the ark. And uh, that is a terrible long time to be any specific place. But if you remember, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible tells us that the windows of heaven were opened and the fountains of the deep. And, and we have that song in the, in the hymn book, The windows of heaven are open. I, no, I, that, that is really out of context. Because when the windows of heaven were open, every living thing on earth that wasn't in the ark died. Uh, that's not something we want to repeat. Amen? And, and, and so, uh, but we'll sing the song. I like that song. Uh, but the idea here is, it says that God remembered Noah. Here's Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, eight people in the ark. No video games. No library for a whole, that was just a little over 13 months, I believe, they were in the ark. And uh, I think it was, Deborah was telling me she gets seasick when she goes into one of those wave pools at youth conference or whatever. Uh, uh, And uh, I said, you come by that naturally, your dad is the same way. I mean, a whole year in a boat. And I will tell you that as those fountains of the deep were open, people have done some things, and we won't take time, but there were continental shifts. There, uh, there were all kinds of, of uh, events happening on this earth. In fact, someone made a model of an ark and actually put it in one of those uh, eight-foot-long aquariums and uh, put it all on a stand to see how stable it would be. And they found out that they could actually rock that ark at almost a 50-degree angle, and, and it would not turn over or sink. It's the most stable design of a ship Still to this day, in fact, if you're ever on a bridge or at the riverside, you'll see those barges going up and down the river with gravel and garbage and all. Uh, That's the basic shape the ark was. Uh, It's stable, not going anywhere. But how would you like to be on that boat at 45 degrees and rocking back and forth and moving? And finally, everything gets calm and here's this ark floating. All these animals in it, Noah and his family, and they're the only living things on planet earth. And God remembered them. Had God forgotten them? Had Noah and all of those animals passed out of God's mind? Absolutely not. But God did have his main attention somewhere else, did he not? It was on executing judgment upon those people and the earth that had corrupted itself and refused to obey God. You see, God hadn't forgotten about Noah. But God knew that Noah was safe, and he was 
concentrate, or his main power was dealing judgment, and Noah was perfectly protected. You know, sometimes it seems like God is not listening. I want you to understand something. It's not that God was so busy judging the world that he couldn't pay attention to Noah. He had already taken care of Noah. Everything was provided. All the food they needed, uh, their protection from the flood, they had what they needed. Sometimes in our Christian life, things get very still. And we're going, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Uh, How about feeding and taking care of all the animals on the ark? I mean, we have how many professional zookeepers at the Bronx Zoo? But I'll promise you Noah's collection was better than theirs. Amen? Uh, And bigger. And so Noah and his family had lots to do. And the idea here is that God completed his judgment and then he came back to dealing with getting Noah and his family and all of those animals out of the ark and back onto Tierra Firma, back onto uh, planet Earth and God had much preparation to do. And then we go to Genesis chapter 9, and uh, Noah gets off the ark, and he offers a sacrifice of all of those clean animals to God in worship. And uh, let's start here in uh, uh, verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying... And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and every living creature that is with you of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more a flo- neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. That's why I'm not worried about global warming. Amen? Uh, the Bible takes care of those things. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God remembered Noah in the ark. Not that he had forgotten him, but God's attention would be turned back to Noah to getting the waters down so the ark would rest there. And that Noah would be able to 
get off the ark and as Noah offered these sacrifices, God said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the cloud. Now, it's a shame what certain groups of our society today have done to the rainbow. It was God's promise that he would not destroy the entire earth by a flood again. And so what do the people say? Well, the ice, the ice caps are going to melt because of global warming and everybody's going to be drowned in a flood. Well, the Bible says not going to happen. So don't, don't worry about the global warming experts. Um, and God says that I'm going to look at the rainbow. You know, sometimes, have you ever driven when I'm driving and we'll get a big rainstorm and it's I'm always looking for the rainbows because I just like this passage. How many of you have ever seen a double rainbow? Two rainbows together. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's just beautiful. And uh, I remember one time, I think it was in Montana, we were driving, my wife and I, and the rainbow was just up and you could see it actually light up the waters of the lake where the rainbow ended. We didn't stop to search for the pot of gold. We figured that it probably wasn't there. Uh, But listen, God said, I give you these things because I want you to be reminded that I am thinking that I am remembering my covenant not to destroy all the world by a flood again. God is trying to help us understand a little bit about himself. He never forgets us. But Noah was safe. So when God turned his attention back to Noah... The Bible uses the right word, remember. Amen? And God is never going to forget that he's not going to destroy the world by a flood again. But he wants you and I to be reminded, as well as the perpetual reinstatement of God's covenant. God wants... To help us understand something. God doesn't think. God doesn't have to figure things out. God never forgets. But he has given us a pattern here. So that we as little human beings with our little comprehension. Can understand that God is thinking that God's thoughts are directed toward us. Can we say amen to that? It's just that simple. You need to take comfort. And you need to remind yourself in these evil days in which we live. God is still in control. And even though they take the symbol of God's promise and use it to uh, as a banner from for debased and, and vile uh, lifestyle that is totally against God in the Bible, God hasn't changed. We have a neighbor, I think he's, or she, whoever the neighbor is, they have a rainbow flag, and in the field, 
where the stars would, it's patterned after the American flag. Instead of stripes, it's, it's all colors. And in the field is a circle of marijuana leaves. And inside the circle of marijuana leaves is the number 666. And uh, since our church is the only building that can actually see this flag, I, uh, I think that, uh, that uh, they probably put it out there for, quote-unquote, our, our benefit. Uh, but I will tell you this, you can blaspheme God all you want. But he's the same God that sent Noah's flood. And he's the same God that will judge every sin. And he's the same God that gave us the rainbow. And we don't have to be afraid of God's symbols, of God's tokens. And God says, when I see the rainbow... Now, what that's telling us is that if you're... Uh, God says, when I look down on the clouds, He's looking from above. We're looking for, from, from beneath that He sees that rainbow. And He says, I promised I would never send a flood again. Aren't you glad God is good? Aren't you glad God gives us... He's trying to help us understand something. We can sit here and we can logically understand God's omniscience. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He, he doesn't need to think. He doesn't need to figure anything out. God already knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. But He still puts these things in our path. So we will remember that God is remembering us. I like that. And so let's turn to the book of Exodus, if you would. Exodus chapter 2. And let's just look at verse 24. This is the children of Israel in Egypt. Uh, they had moved there at God's direction with Jacob. And the family moved there during the years of famine. And they were protected and taken care of. And Joseph was held in high honor by the uh, Egyptians because... He had saved the nation. All the other countries had fallen into adverse poverty and lost uh, many of their livestock. They could not raise crops. Imagine if you could not plant seed and grow a crop for seven years in a row. It would be devastating. The death toll, starvation would be horrendous. And yet Egypt was elevated here to arguably the most powerful nation in the world at that time because of Joseph. All the rest of the world was coming to buy food. You wonder where all that gold came from that they find in the Egyptian tombs. Well, part of it, not all of it, but a great deal of it, came from the time that Joseph was selling food to the then-known world through Egypt. 
But then they became slaves. And when that didn't work, Pharaoh kept changing the, the, uh, the commands. And, and now they were actually having uh, commanded to kill all the male children that were born. And, uh, and it was a very terrible time. And we get to verse 23. It says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died... And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. May, may I remind you here that we, as we read this story, that the children of Israel were suffering terribly. They were in slavery. They were not safe like Noah and his family in the ark. People were dying. Their lives were uh, miserable. They were made uh, 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 just totally unbearable by uh, bondage and the labor that they had to do. Now, it would really seem like God had forgotten the children of Israel. The children of Israel felt like God had forgotten them. They cried, and the Bible says, in the process of time. We need to understand something about God. God always keeps His promises, does He not? He had promised Abraham... He had promised Isaac, he had promised Jacob that the land of Israel would be theirs. And something I want to just say, who's living there today? Amen? It is the same descendants of the same Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, That's why the country is called the nation of Israel. And I am so glad that our president moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, That was something that was promised uh, all the way back to at least the first Bush administration, that it would be moved. Nobody did it. Nobody had enough guts to do what needed to be done. And and I'm I'm thankful that it is, because that's the, the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. Nobody can argue that. It's in the Bible. And it's amazing that they're there today, but let me tell you, they were suffering. And how many of you remember the story? Let's go to chapter 5 and and verse 22. Uh, They had gone in and talked to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh removed the straw and said, you're still going to... Uh, make the same number of bricks. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Now here's Moses' prayer. They're looking at Moses and said, Moses, you're a troublemaker. You've made our misery more. 
Now, why did God do that? Well, let's just stop and think for a moment. When the children of Israel were facing the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army was behind them, what did they chide Moses with saying? Were there no graves in Egypt? We were dying in Egypt. You brought us out here to die. The inference was, we'd rather die as slaves in Egypt than die as freemen out here at the Red Sea. How many times did they decide they were going to go back to Egypt? In fact, after uh, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the land and Jeremiah was there talking to the people, where did they go? Back to Egypt. It was a thousand years late. They still went back to Egypt. You know what God had to do? God had a covenant with Abraham. God fulfilled his covenant. Amen? But God had to make things miserable enough for the children of Israel to be willing to listen to God. Uh, How many of you would say, guilty as charged? God has had to bring adversity in my life. He has had to make my life uncomfortable. He has had to take me through very dark times so I would be willing to be obedient to Him. Hello? Am I the only one guilty? I'm seeing some heads going up. Okay. You see, God said, I'm going to do my word. And you're going to do my word. But there's an awful lot that has to happen to make you, the nation of Israel in this story, willing to leave Egypt and follow the Lord. And let's just look at chapter 6 and verse 5 here. And this is God speaking, answering Moses' prayer. And he said, I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." And I will bring you into a land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses disappeared on Mount Sinai for 40 days and they made a golden calf that they learned about in Egypt. You see... God never forgets His covenants. But sometimes we have to walk through the dark valleys of this life so that we will be made uncomfortable enough to be willing 
to follow God willingly. God doesn't want us just following. He's not going to drag you kicking and screaming anywhere. And this isn't really part of our uh, lesson tonight, but think of the story of Jonah. God can make you rather uncomfortable. And Jonah, in the end, did comply with God's directions, didn't he? Uh, and, And so, we have a very similar thing happening here. And if we'll go to Leviticus chapter 26... You know, this uh, Leviticus 26 is one of the reasons why all these modern scholars think that Moses could not possibly have written the Word of God and that it, it, this was, uh, uh, that uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were actually written many uh, centuries later and attributed it to Moses. Because if you read the entire chapter uh, of Leviticus 26, God gives a history of Israel before it happened. He says, I am challenging you to obey my laws. And if you obey my laws, I am going to bless you. And if you disobey my laws, I am going to judge you. And I will remove you from your land. And we get all the way down to the end of the chapter, uh, verse 45. It says, But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors. There is referring to Israel. Whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes statutes and judgments and laws which the Lord made between him and the children of Israel, Mount Sinai, by the hand of Moses. Now, we, I, I wish we had time to go through the entire story here, but God simply said, listen, here's my direction, walk in it. But you're going to sin, and you're going to walk away from my direction. You're going to turn, but I'm not going to destroy you because I'm God. You know, it's amazing how many different, quote-unquote, uh, religions claiming to be Christian talk about a salvation that you can lose if you do not meet God's requirements. If anybody, if any people group did not meet God's requirements, how about the nation of Israel? How many times did they transgress over and over again? And in fact, God told Moses at the golden calf, He said, Get out of my way. I'll make a new nation and you can be the inheritor of the promises. But see, God had already prepared Moses' heart that he would not say, Get him, God! That he interceded for Israel. And if you want an amazing little tidbit there, I've been told that every lawyer studying law is made to read the account of Moses' intercession before God for the children of Israel as the greatest case of pleading before a judge leniency on the client. And I 
I couldn't imagine that there were any, any better example of that. And God tells us before it even happened, right here in the book of Leviticus. Guess what? God said, I'm never going to forget my covenant. I'm never going to take away my salvation from my people. But if you're going to enjoy my blessings, you're going to have to obey Can we say amen to that? And so, we move on now to Numbers chapter 10. And uh, verse 9. And God is again going through different commands. And He says, And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, then shall ye blow... Then ye shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and ye shall be saved from your enemies. And every time I read that, you know where my first thought goes is to, that's the reason Saul was not able to defeat Goliath. You see, Saul accepted Goliath's terms. If Saul had simply said, God didn't say anything about listening to the enemy and fighting by his rules. Levites, sound the trumpets. That's what the law said to do. And charge. I mean, what do you think would have happened? Here's Goliath standing out there. Send out one man. And all of a sudden, the trumpets start blaring. And the whole army of Israel runs at Goliath. Game over. You see, God says, I'm going to remember my word if you will remember my word. You see how God works? You do what I say, I will be there to do what I have said I will do. Have you ever wondered why sometimes we miss out on God's blessings? Just a couple more and we'll be done. How many of you remember the story of Hannah? She was... Sore tormented by her husband's other wife because she could not have children. And she prayed and old Eli thought she was drunk. And, and when she looked up at him sober and said, listen, I'm a woman of a sorrowful heart. What did Eli say? He said, God answer your prayer. And it says she was no more sad. But you know what? Babies... Take time, don't they? Uh, I remember one time uh, somebody gave us a book, or we found one at the library, and uh, it had it was just uh, a made-up little story. But uh, they were waiting on the baby, and uh, the baby said, "I'm coming now." And Mama said, "No, no, you need to wait. It's not time." And so the little baby's waiting, and. And and then it was time. And they said, now it's time. And the baby goes, "Uh uh-uh, I like it in here. 
And just a funny little children's story. And finally, uh, Daddy gave Mommy a kiss and said, I love you and I can't wait for the baby to come. And the baby said, I'm coming. I want one of those. And it was just a cute little story. Babies come when they come. You can't hurry them up. And you know what it says about? It says, God remembered Hannah and he gave her a son. And then he gave her five more children after that. You see, God is good at giving. Amen? Amen. But it's in answer to our prayers. This is on a much more somber note. How many of you remember the story of Abraham? As the Lord stands there and Abraham asks the Lord, Would you destroy the city if there's 50 righteous and then 45 and finally down to 10? Now stop and think about that. Lot and his wife and two daughters were in the house. And the Bible says that he went out and talked to his sons-in-law that had married his other daughters. So that means he had at least two other daughters who were married and living in Sodom. That's six people minimum. Lot's family could have easily reached the ten all by itself. If we count the two sons-in-law, that's eight. Now we're only two short. But what's it tell us? I'll just quote you the passage here. Genesis 19.29, it says, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of Sodom. You see, God never forgets. But He wants you and I to understand that He works in His time and He does work in answers to our prayers. And he wants us to pray, not because prayer changes God. Don't ever believe that. Don't buy into that. That I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and pray and pray until God works. God moves on prayer. No. Prayer does not move the unseen hand of God. God moves his own hands. God does not need to be motivated. I think we found that out already by the things that God remembers. Amen? But God wants us to pray. Because prayer changes us, doesn't it? And see, our last one is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. This is the story of Cornelius. Now, the Bible tells us that Cornelius was a just man. He was devout, one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Acts chapter 10 and verse 2. Let's skip down to verse 31. And, Cornelius, and said Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Now, I love this story. Because if there was anyone in the land of Israel who did not deserve the gospel, would it not be a Roman centurion 
one that was in charge of overseeing the the uh, rule of Rome that had enslaved the Jewish people. And by the way, when you read that story that all the world should be taxed, don't, don't think about that the same way you think about paying your taxes in America. You voted for those rascals that charge you that tax. Hello? Or at least if you didn't vote for them, enough other people in our community did. Uh, but listen, the Roman taxation meant that many children went hungry. That's how uh, depretory it was. This, this was not fair. This was not based on income. This was based on the needs and the greed of Rome. And if you did not pay your taxes... It was Cornelius that showed up with the army to take whatever you had to pay your taxes. But you know what Cornelius did? It says he gave much alms to the people. I wonder if Cornelius, out of his own generosity, didn't pay some of those tax bills for the people. He prayed to God. He feared the God of Israel. And yet, God did not save him. God told him, if you want the truth, you've got to go send for a Jewish preacher and you've got to listen to him tell you what the Bible says. You see, God never forgets the least of our efforts to try to please Him and to seek Him. But if you're going to find Him, you've got to do it His way, not your way. How humbling was that for a Roman centurion? Well, I'll tell you how humbling it was. As soon as Peter walked in the room, what did Cornelius do? He got down on his knees and tried to worship Peter. He he had a humble heart. And God said, I remembered. And if you want to know what you're trying to find, you go send for the preacher whom I've already given the message to. And so when we talk about remembrance... God never forgets. But I wonder if Noah felt that way in the ark for seven months. Sometimes we got to get our feelers fixed. You ever had that problem? So, well, I just don't feel right. Well, if you'll just do right, your feelings will catch up. Sometimes it takes a little while. But Noah and his family, God remembered them. And then God put a rainbow in the cloud and God said, every time I see it, I'm going to remember. And every time you see it, you're going to remember. The children of Israel truly were suffering. But the problem is they had departed so far from God and His Word 
that God had to do a lot of work to make the children of Israel uncomfortable in the world so that they would leave Egypt and follow God. So don't be surprised if God makes you uncomfortable. He hasn't forgotten what he's doing. He's not making a mistake because God can't do that. When we sin, Leviticus chapter 26, if we'll confess our sins and turn back to God, God's going to remember. He'll be right there. He's not forgetting that he promised salvation to us. If we'll do things God's way, as the blowing of the trumpets was told to the children of Israel, and God said that they would never lose a battle. It's amazing how very few times they resorted to the trumpets. But God wants to answer prayers. He remembered Hannah. He remembered Abraham. It's interesting, by the way. He didn't remember Lot. He remembered Abraham and removed Lot from the city of Sodom. Those prayers of Abraham's did a lot of good for Lot. And Cornelius, if you're going to seek God, you're going to have to do it his way. God remembers, never forgets. He doesn't have to think about things. He doesn't have to set an alarm. He doesn't have a smartphone, doesn't need one. But we do. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would encourage us in the fact that you remember things. And that you would help us as we go through the difficult times in life to remember that you're in charge. That, Lord, we would follow you in due order. That we would never forget the instructions of your word to how we ought to carry ourselves. Lord, we're thankful that it is not our prayer that motivates you, but it is you that who, who are to motivate our prayers so that you can answer them, the Bible says, so that our joy can be full. Lord, we ask, that you would help us be admonished by the fact that you remember that we would stay in the way in this life that you have given us and serve you before we pray. Just have the piano play. You need to slip out of your seat and spend a few moments. The altar's open.